this was a camera recording next to the drummer of Rammstein. This is what you can hear if you could stand next to him on the stage. Only drums and a shade of sounds. It is very different than what you hear as an audience. Hi, my name is Dirge Seçil Kuran. I'm a classical and contemporary percussionist from Turkey, Istanbul. Um, next to being a percussionist, I also play with synthesizers, uh, modular synths, and I also sing. Um, mostly, I had experience with orchestras and ensembles like uh, 13-ish years or maybe more. And later on, I played with some bands next to orchestras. And recently, I started to work with contemporary theaters, operas and dance companies in the Netherlands. Um, today, I will share my own listening and hearing experience as a performer and as a percussionist on different stages and in different groups. All right, uh, then let's get into it. How we hear on stage as performers is mostly very different than how the audience hears it. Well, of course, it depends a lot on acoustics, where you're on the stage, where is the stage, because it might be an outside production, or how big or small is the stage. And it depends on technology, mixing, stage tech and design, on your instrument, and it depends also on audience. Uh, a hole with full of audience will affect the sound, it will help it. Um, there are so many different situations, instruments and performing styles around, uh, which creates many different hearing and listening results. Since I am more experienced with orchestras, um, let's take concert halls, for instance. As an orchestra, the concert hall might be one of your helpers to hear or give you a hard time to not hear efficiently. Or it might change your dynamics of playing. Um, I played, let's say, such not designed foreign orchestra halls uh, in Turkey. And they were really hard to play as an orchestra. Um, for instance, uh, one of the stage designed as a V-shape through the audience. And if you are playing in the back of the stage, the walls will work like an amplifier for your sound. Especially for percussionists, it's not good at all. So you will need to play everything less than you normally play. And probably you won't be able to have efficient hearing of the front sections of the orchestra. But yeah, there's some concert halls designed so well by acoustics that you can hear almost everything very clearly as an orchestra player. And uh, not only hearing clearly, they might help your playing as well, make it less effortless and beautiful to detail. Concertgebouw Amsterdam and uh, Vienna Golden Hall was the two amazing halls that I really couldn't believe my ears. So everything was super balanced and yeah, that's uh, an amazing thing as a performer on stage. Um, I remember with one Mahler concert, uh, this was a good hall, but I just want to give an example about changing dynamics. Um, in the uh, general rehearsal, the last rehearsal before the concert, 
Conductor moved me to the back corner of the orchestra with my six cymbals. Uh, and he just put me next to the choir. And I was sitting way back than the rest of the percussions. Uh, okay, my louder hits sounded way better over there and the corner wall was also helping, but I had to adjust my dynamics because I was further away where I was used to be and my ears was not used to be there during rehearsals. Being away from your section is also a bit tricky, but I could still see them, which is always helpful. And also, yeah, when you play together more than 10 years, you became a group and share an inner clock. Anyway, then how do we listen on stage while performing? I believe every good musician know how and who to listen when they're on stage. Different sections, instruments uh, listen to some specific sections more than the others, with many different reasons as well. Um, I will give very basic examples. For instance, think about a rock band. A bass player and drummer would like to hear each other nicely because they share common roles in a band, which makes the band tight in rhythm and time. Or in an orchestra, violins might choose to stick together with the string sections and the conductor because they might not hearing the other sections that well in that moment during the piece. Um, in classical orchestras and ensemble, it is very different than bands, of course. In band, you need either monitor or in-ear monitoring. As a percussionist who specially spent more than 13 years with orchestras and ensembles, I listen differently than a drummer in a band, a violin player in an orchestra, or an opera singer in opera. <laughs> and if you're a percussionist in an orchestra, it's a game of time bending and catching the details of every section whenever you need them, whenever you can, and not only by your ears, but also with your eyes. Sometimes you have to rush over what you are actually hearing, going against your nature. And sometimes you have to bend your own very precise time to move with the strings or with woodwinds or soloists. And as I say, you cannot only listen, you also have to look. Because a breath motion of an oboe player can give you every information that you need to play that one simple triangle hits to play exactly right on time with oboe's entrance. Yes, that triangle matters. <laughs> and sometimes you cannot play on the time, which sounds right to you, because of the soloist feeling or because of the hall or the time which your sound will travel to the audience or to the orchestra. I believe every musician's listening shapes through her or his role in music and in music styles. Before I show the audio examples, um, I want to talk very shortly about why is an orchestra sitting as they are. Um, orchestras wasn't uh, look like this from the beginning. It all started with small ensembles with their own concertmeisters as a conductor who was also playing in the ensemble. And later more instruments were invented and orchestras grew in size. And it wasn't uh, that much of a big problem because uh, the holes were small enough uh, that players just use their ears. 
But the century that followed with the Industrial Revolution, everything got bigger. Cities, halls, and of course, orchestras got bigger. Uh, most of the composers started to conduct instead of concertmeisters, and it was easier for bigger orchestras to follow a conductor with their eyes rather than only listening. Because bigger the orchestra and the hall gets, it will be harder to hear each other, so you cannot only rely on your hearing, and also you cannot see everyone. <laughs> Sound will reach to different places in different times to everyone. So... Imagine there is a percussionist and a cello player 15 meters away from each other. Uh, so each drum beat uh, from the snare drum will take 20th of a second to reach to the cello player. And they will hear the sound different in, in time. And even the cello player will play on time on her or his perception. In reality, it will sound late. And if you put a trumpet player in the middle behind of them, then they won't have that much of a chance to hear each other anymore. So maybe this might be one of the good examples why an orchestra needs a conductor. It's just one of, one of many of them. So the distance and loudness affects how we hear also affects you as an audience. Uh, the sound will reach later to the back row than the front row. So as an audience, you're also hearing the sound different in time. Yay! <laughs> but you hear it in balance. You don't hear a trumpet louder than it uh, should sound in the piece or you don't hear violins less. But we, as orchestra players, do. Of course, during those times, conductors experimented with how an orchestra placement should be. And around the uh, 1920s, Leopold Stokowski, uh, and he was also the guys conducting in 1940s Fantasia. <laughs> so anyway, uh, he found the modern orchestra placement that uh, we are seeing in today's orchestras. Uh, of course, there is no one version um, their options and conductors who arrange their own uh, placements. Uh, like I remember in the orchestra that I was working in Istanbul, um, that our conductor was experimenting with the placement, uh, of course, mostly with percussions, double basses, harp and brasses. And he was searching for the best sounding and helpful in hearing version of our orchestra. And every time when he tried something new, he was asking to the sections and musicians, like, how was it? Uh, was it good or bad? Which section they can hear or they couldn't hear? So it was great. In short, uh, orchestra placement and size changed during centuries, and the traditional layout of an orchestra helps the musicians to hear better and gives a nice balance mix to the audience. And the distance, sounds and loudness affect how we hear. But then, what is happening with the Metropole Orchestra? Sometimes woodwinds and strings next to the conductor and facing the same direction, or strings and rest of the orchestra is sitting far away from each other. Metropole is a jazz and pop orchestra uh, who specialize on playing live recordings with soloists, bands, ensembles, and in different placements. It is actually one of its kind, a hybrid orchestra, a combination of jazz big band and a rhythm section, and a symphony orchestra. They even played with the Dutch symphonic metal band Witten Temptation. So 
they have to listen or hear very differently, right? So the members of the orchestra are using in-ears or headphones. This much of a combination of an orchestra playing with many different placements can't manage without them, and also with the recording style. And I had the chance to play a couple of times with the uh, Metropole Young or Young Metropole. And we had all our own little mixes for our headphone monitoring. Every knob is a section or an instrument, bass, drums, keys, strings, woodwinds, I don't know, trumpets, trombones, percussion one, percussion two. <laughs> and you can do your own mix as uh, how and um, how loud do you want to hear a section or an instrument. There's also a conductor, of course, but in jazz, pop, soul, etc., you have your rhythm section as well. So the music flows and all your orchestra members are hearing the rhythm section in their in-ears. So maybe that's why sometimes you can see the conductor of the Metropole Orchestra stops conducting and dancing for a while and go back to conducting because maybe, I don't know, he will give the entrance for trumpets or something. <laughs> and we also saw during Corona time, some orchestras switched to live streaming. But for the orchestra, live streaming wasn't a struggle, but sting <laughs> way further from each other. Uh, to keep the distance was challenging. And even you have your conductor, you will be always need your listening as well. And the further away the members got apart from each other, it became harder to hear. So they start to use little monitors as well. All right, uh, let's move to the audio examples for some orchestral experiences of mine. Um, first, you will be hearing a concert recording on a, of an orchestra. Then either I will play what I am hearing or I will talk about it and then play what I am hearing. And uh, please don't forget, the second ones you will be hear uh, are phone recordings. Uh, the recordings are shared from me. And as humans, we hear wider than this, for sure. But still, uh, these can give you some idea. Okay, let's go. So Ravel Lavals. On this one, I am in the left back of the orchestra playing the bass drum. And before I start playing, I have a clear hearing of strings, French horns and timpani. My hearing is focused on the strings and their rhythm, so I can have a clear entrance for my first beats. Horns are also giving the beats, but the strings will slow down a bit just before entering the next section. So their ti-da-da rhythm is important for me. I start playing with the new section and we will get faster and faster till the next section. And this one is also a good example of how I am pushing the tempo and the orchestra. And I am actually not playing in the same time with the orchestra. I start with them and then slowly I start to hit a bit earlier than the trombones so they can feel the push and get faster. And their push will get strings to play faster. So it's like a moving machine. On this point, mm, my focus is 
not on the strings anymore and my hearing will get different. And I will start hearing more horns, trombones, tuba and percussion and I will lose the hearing of strings gradually. And in this section horns, bass drum and double basses will push the beat, snare drum and tambourine will fill the beat and the strings and woodwinds will catch up with this beat and the acceleration. And my hearing is focused to trombones and my eyes are locked to the conductor who is also conducting earlier than the orchestra's current beat because uh, we have to move. <laughs> and the rest of the acceleration I'm not playing till the break. And as you can hear as well, after one point, especially with the snare drum roll, tambourine and the triangle, I only hear percussion and trumpets and French horns. Strings are totally not hearable anymore. Maybe only just like a color <laughs> on trumpets. And after the break, I have to give a nice hit on one with the tuba. So it is always a game. I don't see the tuba player. It is my solo. And yeah, that hit is a solo. <laughs> and there is nothing I can rely on except the conductor and my guts. And as you can hear, we are not together on the first beat, uh, but on the second time we are together because you hear more melodies and rhythms to rely on. different huh? okay the next one This was Berlioz's Fantastic Symphony. With this one, I'm again in the left back of the orchestra playing cymbals. And the audio is from the percussion player on the right back side of the orchestra. Uh, she's next to timpanis and behind woodwinds and probably behind French horns. And you can hear flutes, probably where I'm standing, I don't hear the flutes that much, maybe they're high notes. Actually, where she stands, she has a better hearing of the orchestra. You can select strings, horns and flutes. And of course, they are sharing a melody and the percussionist is not playing anything uh, at that moment. So the hearing will be easier, uh, of course, as much as it can be next to a loud timpani, though. Um, and even she's able to hear nicely in the beginning, after where the strings play alone, the hearing starts to change. Timpanis are getting louder, brass instruments are getting louder. She can still he hear the high notes of the flutes and probably mostly piccolo, but after one point it is all <laughs> brasses and percussion, baby. And it's especially nice to realize even the trombones are 
on her opposite side, she can still clearly hear them, but the woodwinds in front of her is completely gone, even the piccolo. And strings, who knows what they're playing. <laughs> uh, sometimes during the rehearsals, let's say, conductor uh, wants to rehearse a passage for strings or woodwinds, and then you hear actually what they're playing, and you say, well, okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, and on where I am standing... Uh, Left side is bass drum and my right side is the timpani and they are both playing loud. So probably my hearing is way different than hers. Maybe I only hear brass and percussion and waiting for that ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta uh, have a clear rhythm for my hits with the cymbal and darn it, I'm hitting a tiny bit early. And... Um, also, uh, guess what the brass and fagot players in front of me are hearing on that cymbal moment for one or two seconds. It's only cymbals. So again, you as audience is having a fantastic ending of this fantastic symphony, but we are completely having a different hearing experience than yours. This is also a good example that the bass drum and timpanis are pushing the orchestra again. You can clearly hear that they're playing a little bit, tinier bit earlier than the rest of the orchestra because also this part needs to move and it has to stay excited. So yeah, we just have to keep the orchestra straight. All right, and the next one. This was uh, Balakirev, Islame. Um, this is such a nice and hard piece for orchestra. Um, I'm guessing I'm standing in the back middle, again, cymbals. Um, with this one, I have a clear hearing for the orchestra and a lot of cymbals on it, of course. The hearing is easier mostly because how the piece is composed in that part. First, full orchestra plays, then the strings replies, and again, all orchestra. Then woodwind replies, and again, again, again. So how I listen during this part, uh, what I am focused on here is the timpani. He is hitting one and three and I play two and four. <laughs> so we both keep the rhythm steady uh, because there is an answer reply thing is going on. We cannot let the orchestra slow down uh, when they are playing together. So it is always good to hit the first second beat of mine just a bit earlier to fix the tempo. Um, as a percussionist, you should never get lost in orchestra's rhythm in this kind of pieces. Uh, you have to help the conductor and be the conductor in the back of the orchestra uh, because they are, tend to slow down, especially with fast melodies. 
So you have to be their steady metronome and make them to follow you. Uh, other than that, there is not much to focus here except the ending because we are having a musical retardando to the end notes and I have an important symbol hit over there. Uh, I cannot be early or late. So for that note, I'm listening the brass section because they are giving the clear rhythm of the retardando and my eyes are on the conductor and I'm counting nicely, which sometimes I don't. <laughs> and again, I'm trusting my guts and the whole common magical retard on the sense of an orchestra. <laughs> um, yeah, and the triangle player next to me is also focusing on the strings and woodwinds probably because she has a part to play with them as well. <laughs> of Rome. Um, this one is from someone in the flute section. <laughs> you can already um, hear that they have a way better balanced steering of the orchestra. Of course they hear themselves a lot but they can clearly hear the strings. The percussion and horns are coming from a nice distance with a nice balance. So I'm assuming that their focus is on the conductor and they are listening to the strings. And I assume the situation is same for the strings as well. Uh, for the percussionist, the situation should be very different again. I don't remember where and what I am playing with this one. So I will make assumptions on it. Uh, they probably hear a lot of their selves, horns and flutes. For instance, the triangle role in the beginning, she's probably only hearing that triangle and a shade of other sounds. Glockenspiel player is probably focused on conductor and listening the flutes like hell <laughs> because um, she's sharing the melody with the flutes. And the ratchet player who starts just in the end of the audio will probably dominate all uh, her or his surrounding and nobody will hear anything efficiently for a while. <laughs> After many years of performing with orchestras and ensembles, uh, I finally got into a band. <laughs> it was an indie rock band and I joined them with vibraphone and percussion. Uh, rehearsals were fine for me. Uh, we were in a small studio, so hearing wasn't a problem. But there were concerts, of course, and my ears, which was super adapted to orchestral listening, tried to listen its surrounding in a band as it is in an orchestra. Did it work? Mm, for a while, in a weird way, but uh, meh. 
uh, I was just, <laughs> don't judge me about it, but I was just sticking some toilet paper in my ears. And it was nicely cutting all the harsh highs and the loudness of the band. Uh, on the stage, I was always next to, next to drums, so it was enough for me to be able to play in time with the band. Uh, dynamics were not a problem since I knew how loud or soft uh, I will be with the force that I'm using. And I rarely used a monitor for myself if we weren't playing on a big stage. Uh, and I was somehow stubborn about it. Uh, anyway, I rarely used monitors for myself because I could hear the vocals and guitars from the stage monitors or from front PAs. And for me, it was enough to play with. Uh, while the other members of the group was careful about how do they want to hear on the stage or talking about using in-ears, uh, what I was doing was not right or efficient, let's say, and using in-ear monitoring or monitors are really helpful. Uh, and I was just missing how it was working in a band. Uh, so, But I did it like that, I guess, just because I can. Uh, I was able to play like this because I was used to listen differently and be able to play in situations um, that hearing is hard. In there, nothing was really hard except just being loud and hearing muddy. And I could fix that muddy hearing with using monitors or in-ears, but I was also used to listen like this because of my role in an orchestra. Uh, less was always enough and I should do my best with the less and if I would just swamp with any other member of that band I won't be able to p play with my own listening system it, it's just impossible on stage you have monitors and amps of guitars of basses of keys players etc and of course a loud drummer and again I'm telling that there are many bands with many different setups out there I'm just talking with, about mine and the placement of the band on the stage play a role as well as a band you hear this loud setup on stage uh, the low end from front PAs and still some you hear less and some you hear more for instance, in our setup, I could clearly hear drums, of course, because it was next to me, but vocals were coming muddy and further away. Um, I didn't use in-ear monitoring with any band yet. Uh, I am planning to work uh, on it on my project because using in-ears is really different uh, for me, and especially if I'm singing. Uh, I don't know the exact years, but years ago, wireless tech was super expensive, so stage monitors was the thing to go. But later on, it became affordable, and small bands started to use them. And now almost everyone is using it. Um, let's check the first audio <laughs> we listened in the very beginning, uh, the camera recording of Rammstein's drummer. So now, can you imagine being the drummer on the stage and not having in-ears? This would what you would hear without monitors around you or without an in-ear. 
So the in-ear monitoring is the most efficient way. It is safer for your ears. The sound is more clear in your ear and you can make your own in-ear mix, uh, have the click tracks or the cues. And it reduces the stage sound, which is a very important issue for the front of the house. And you can move around. So as I said, you can choose what you want to hear, but you can also choose what you don't want to hear. <laughs> I have a very nice example for it. There is a band called Red Hot Chili Peppers. Their guitarist, John Frusciante, uh, which I find him as a great musician, um, he's almost completely listening or let's say hearing something else uh, on stage while he was playing with the band. In his in-ear, there is only his own guitar and his vocal mic and sometimes bass when he needs it. No main vocals and no drums. His own vocal mic also catches drums and sometimes the main vocals, but that's all. And that's enough for him. So I will just show you two small examples. On this one, somewhere behind, you can hear the main vocals, just again because his own mic catches it from stage monitors, etc. And the rest is a bit of bass, his guitar, and a lot of <laughs> his own vocals again. Since the last year, I started to work with dance and theater companies. Uh, with this kind of project, it's all about in-ear monitoring. You can have a good and nice balanced mix of the show. Uh, or you can choose what to hear, how loud you want to hear, and of course, you can choose what not to hear. You can also change your mix uh, for uh, different scenes. For instance, uh, you might want to hear percussion 2 more in scene 5, but not that much anymore in scene 6. And your amazing sound or wireless technician will make that happen for you. There is one performance that I will never be able to hear or experience as audience did, even with a recording. I toured with a project called Freedom with a collaboration of Club Guy and Ronnie and Slagwerk Den Haag four percussionists and five dancers. And our composer, Hugo Morales, chose 12 huge black metal and wooden boxes for us. Each of them is amplified with a contact and a condenser microphone. We were playing uh, different areas uh, of the boxes with different materials. Uh, the composition was uh, our processed sounds uh, with Hugo's sound design as backing tracks. So about what and how I was hearing, uh, there were stage monitors and they were very loud because uh, you have dancers, they need it. 
uh, to be loud. And stage monitors also has their own mix. For instance, uh, more heartbeat in the mix because it is super important and helpful for everybody. Uh, but you can clearly hear the mix uh, of the show uh, from them. So I used my in-ears to muff that loudness, <laughs> joking, but yeah, it works, um, to hear what I was not able to hear clearly and hear some stuff more in my whole mix. Um, in my in-ear mix, I could uh, hear every other percussionist uh, and the box that they were playing in that moment. Uh, there were also uh, narrators, so that was also in my in-ear mix. Some backing tracks were there as well to confirm my counting. And I didn't need to hear the heartbeat uh, and all the backing tracks in my in-ear because it was way loud enough in the stage uh, with the stage monitors. And I could easily feel that beat in my body anyway. Uh, and there was uh, also one continuous thing. That was the click track. Whole show is in the same tempo. And for a good 40 minutes, all I am hearing is tick, 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 tick. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, fun. <laughs> um, and for the last scenes of the show, we were not using in-ears anymore because it was mostly atmospheric and we could hear nicely through the stage monitors. But why I said uh, that I will never be able to experience this performance as audience did, uh, I am not experiencing the visuality and the physical loudness of the show as audience do. And the sound design, it is designed as a surround experience for audience. And I am having my own story and beautiful organized chaos on stage as well, but actually I have no idea how this show exactly sounds to the audience. And I am jealous about this one. Another theater and dance project that I worked uh, was a different uh, stage and in-ear experience. It's called Underground with the same company again. And as musicians, we were a string quartet, two percussionists and a trombone. It was a location project and the scenery was big and had levels. Uh, which means the distance, height, and the location itself will make hearing different. Uh, as a performer, I can say the best hearing in the stage was on the lowest level, when uh, you are nicely surrounded by monitors. But in the highest levels of the scenery, the sound was super muddy. In Freedom Project, I was using right and left in ears, but in underground, uh, I think all of the musicians used only one side, because... We also wanted to hear our instruments, uh, yeah, the, our instruments' acoustic sound, uh, which uh, helps us in playing. Uh, in some scenes, I didn't ask for strings uh, in ears because either I didn't need to or I was able to hear them enough uh, acoustically. Uh, in one scene, we were all singing, which normally... Uh, you would like to hear other vocals, but my part was almost against to the harmony, so I chose to hear only my own vocals, the percussion and the the bass synths, uh, because that was helpful in that scene for me. And the rest uh, of the vocals was so confusing for me, so yeah, I was just confused about my pitch if I hear them. And for me, the hardest part when I was singing a salsa song <laughs> during musical rehearsals, uh, we musicians were just all next to each other. And um, with that position, uh, I had 
no hard time finding my page or with my dynamics or hearing myself or surrounding efficiently. But during the general rehearsals or the shows, when the rest of the musicians were playing maybe three, four meters away and three, four meters lower than where I am, it was so difficult to sing. And I was on the high uh, level of the scenery, so it's super muddy there. I tried uh, with one in ear, both in ears, no in ears, more my vocals in my ears, more cello, or a very well balanced mix. Still, uh, yeah, it was something that I wasn't used to, and it took me time to find and learn how to listen and sing on it. And uh, I think this is a good example of uh, how I am used to play with less hearing as a percussionist. This cannot work when I'm singing. So this was a good one uh, for me to learn new ways to listen and use more technology. Because in the end of Freedom, I was also singing, but there was one continuous note that I can hear and other musicians were next to me and I was just singing acoustically. It was perfectly fine, but this was a completely different uh, situation. So I think it's a good example. All right. I feel like I talked a lot. <laughs> I hope uh, my own experiences gave you some ideas about how some musicians might be hearing or what they might be listening or what they might choose not to hear, like Frusciante. And maybe now in a concert you might think about it, I don't know. And my journey of listening is still going on uh, with modern theaters and with my own uh, solo singer-songwriter project. I am discovering another important and different parts of hearing and listening, especially with singing more and more around. Uh, I have to learn how to listen and hear as a singer. Um, being a percussionist is helping me a lot uh, to be able to work with less, but while I am singing, it's a different situation. Anyway, uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Take a good care of yourselves and uh, enjoy listening to music as an audience. And here's the last crappy sight hearing of a stage. Cheers! <laughs>